This episode is brought to you by Netflix. Hold your carriage horses and tighten those corsets. Bridgerton is back. Longtime friends Colin Bridgerton and Penelope Featherington find themselves in quite the precarious situation. The wallflower is ready to bloom, but she needs Colin's help to find a marriage match. Has Penelope truly pushed aside her feelings for Colin? Will Colin realize his feelings before another suitor takes Penelope's hand? And will Penelope's secret identity as famed gossip writer Lady Whistledown destroy any chance she may have at love? This gentle reader can't wait to find out. Watch part one of Bridgerton now, only on Netflix. Hello, and welcome back to the Sunday special episode of the You Up podcast. I'm Jordana Abraham. And I am Jared Freed. Uh, we love a Sunday special, but especially when we have a guest. Uh, we're very excited. He is the author of I Will Teach You to Be Rich, Ramit Sethi. Am I saying it right? I'm sorry. Yeah, I, you got I, it. You nailed it. I, I nailed it. I, I felt like I stumbled at the turn. No, it's been uh, much worse. You nailed it. <laughs> much worse. That's, I'll take that. Yeah. I'll take that. It's like your grades in school, right? Right. <laughs> I've seen worse. <laughs> Ramit Sethi, thank you so much for coming on. This is so uh, great. You, and the book, if you're watching on YouTube, you can see it. It's a, it's like a workbook. Yeah, it's a new that, journal. Because yes. you know what? I, I wrote another book on personal finance. It's called I Will Teach You to Be Rich. And some people want to get a big book and learn about Roth IRAs. Mm. And some people are like, you know what? I just want to sit down and actually feel good about money for the first time. Right. So this is much more of a dreamy way to engage with money. Where do you want to spend more on? What kind of vacations do you want to take? What kind of house do you want to live in? Aspirational. Yeah, and once that. you get that, once you have a crisp idea of what your rich life is, then people are much more likely to start saying, ooh, how do I start investing? Well, I guess it's the difference between I want to lose weight and I want to lose five pounds. Like, you know, when it's more, when it's just like, I, right, and, I know what I need. Or I want to look great. Or right. I want to feel amazing every morning. I think with money, all of us just feel bad about it. Mm. Totally. Feel or, guilty. Or they also don't feel, for me personally, I'm always like, am I doing it right? Yeah. I don't, because there's so, it's kind of like when to the comparison to diet and exercise, I'm like, everyone has their own theory for right. like what you should do. And then you, you know, you, you see things like buying a house and some people are like, you got to own property. And other people are like, no, right. Like buying is stupid. Yeah. Rent, and so everyone has their, that. yeah, everyone has their own really. <laughs> Really firm. Nobody knows what they're that. talking about when it comes to real estate. Let me just tell you, if you're listening and you rent, you need to stop feeling guilty about renting. Renting mm. can be amazing. I could go out and buy a place today and I choose to rent because in high cost of living cities like New York City or LA, San Francisco, it actually rarely makes financial sense to buy. Uh-oh. I make more money God renting than buying. So for everyone listening and you, you got your you're right. you got your uncle in the yeah. corner going, you got to buy. Oh my God, you're throwing money away on rent. Stop listening to that. Mm. Okay. You got to learn how to run the numbers and you can actually make more money renting than buying in certain situations. So this is, so I, I guess that's what the book is all about, running the numbers. That's, and, that's and the other book. This one's about dreaming with your money. Dreaming with your money. Yeah. What and and what are people dreaming about? What, what and especially we talk about relationships. We talk about couples. Like what yeah. what is the you, when you talk with, as a as a family unit, yeah, as a, right. in, in a relationship. Yeah. I want to travel more. Yeah, I want to be able to go shopping and not have to look at the prices or order at a restaurant and be able to pick up the tab for my friends. Mm. Right. Be able to take loved ones on a trip and treat them. Those are the dreams. And the dreams yeah. are actually quite simple and yeah. very meaningful to people. But to most of us, they just remain dreams because we don't actually know how to use money to live that kind of rich life. Right. And do you feel like there's like a, because I know you have a, you have your own podcast um, where you interview couples kind of about like their finances or, or how they're thinking financially. Do you feel like there's like a right way and a wrong way? Or do you think it's yeah. kind of like everyone has their own separate stigmas no, no, about they're wrong. the way they think? They're, okay. they're, they're there is a right way. <laughs> yeah. and a way. Okay. I just tell them point, but because people always go, oh, Ramit, personal finance is personal. I go, mm, <laughs> not really. Uh, a better way to think about it is most of us are mostly the same. Okay. Yeah. And if we can accept that, okay, you and I are probably the same 98% of the time. So let's do the right things 98%. Then we earn the right to be different for that last 2%. So give uh, an example of that. Set, setting up your accounts. Okay. You know, sometimes couples are like, how do I combine finances? Well, we have all these individual things. I have an old 401k. I'm like, you're not different. You're not special. Let's get the basic fundamentals in place. So a simple way to do it would be one joint account. I'm talking about if you're in a intimate, committed relationship. Sure. Let's say married, for example. One joint account where both of you put your money and then individual accounts where each of you have 
guilt-free spending, no questions asked. You want to take a trip. You want to treat yourself to a certain restaurant. That's your money. Right. That's Simple. how I do it. I'm glad I'm doing it right. <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> Jordan is feeling good. I'm feeling pretty cocky right yeah, now. Yeah, cocky, yeah. Well, Nailed I, it. So, I mean, I guess, you know, I guess the, the way, the takeaway I have from that is, is a lot of this with couples and the problems with money organizational? Like, no, it, it's no? psychological. Yeah, psychological. Yeah, because like, if I asked you, when you hear the word money, what are the first words that come to mind for you? Rich. Okay. Yeah. I like it. <laughs> yeah. He's like, I will teach you to be rich. Right. Okay, I, thanks for the plug. <laughs> what other words? Um, I, I guess cost. Uh -huh. I, I would think um, savings. So you have no psychological issues I with do. money at all. Yeah, I do. Oh, like yeah. anger with money? I don't, I don't even know. <laughs> no, I, like, a fear, like a fear of not yeah. having enough. Like a Is scarcity. that one for you? That's, I, I, that was definitely one for me. Or a feel, fear of like being controlled with money. I think that I've I've definitely had that from my child. I also had, um, I have eight siblings, so we would share Whoa. a lot of resources. So it, would, it felt very like competitive. Who gets the money for what? Gotcha. Yeah. So when I ask people this question, a lot of the common answers are, um, Will I ever have enough? Mm -hmm. Am I going to run out of money? And is it fair in a relationship, especially? Is it fair? Right. Mm. You and, get that a lot. Yeah, yeah. And especially when you have one partner who's earning more or maybe more established, that's where people come to talk about money. It's almost like they've put lenses on. And so, Jared, you mentioned cost. Mm. A lot of people, their entire money lens on life is cost. They walk around with these set of lenses, mm -hmm. and the first thing they do is they look at the price tag, or they look at a menu, they look at the price. That's fine. Cost is a valuable money lens, but there are other lenses, aren't there? There's generosity, mm -hmm. there's safety, like right. if I wanna buy a car, make my family feel safe. There's a whole bunch of other ones, like luxury. And so in a relationship, a lot of times, we approach it with a certain money lens, scarcity. I need to make sure I'm protecting myself first. Okay, that's valuable at certain points, but there's other ones like generosity. And we can think about this right. in places like dating, who should pay, who should right. offer. Sometimes mm -hmm. we need to be able to interchange our lenses and not just use one. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, I think we've talked about this a lot. And I just know you've said you felt that way about like a lot of men in particular who feel like in order to date or in order to commit to someone, they need to be, be like completely 100% secure with like their financial and um with where they are financially. Yeah, the financial standing, but also like knowing I'm on a road towards mm -hmm. financial well well being. You know, I yeah. think a lot of men deal with that where they go, if I'm if the road is paved, I can see the road. Okay, now I can include someone on that road with me. Yeah. And for you, what would well being mean? I guess being comfortable and not and and also I think also with dating relationships and money, you go, a lot of my worth is is worked into, am I able to pay for things? Am I able to be? So you go, I, I and I remember younger when I'm like, I, I the way I, you know, I'm, I'm doing stand-up, I'm doing open mics, and I'm like sitting there going, and I'm dating someone, I'm going, I, if I don't work out, we don't work out. Wow. There, there, there was a thought of that. So like, how could I, I, I I don't have the confidence to say to this person, we're going to be a-okay because I can't even say it to myself. Totally. That's real. Right. I mean, yeah. if you think about the way that we grow up in this culture, we have gender issues, we have financial issues, cultural issues. I talk to men, I talk to couples on the podcast and a lot of times I'll talk to the guy and I'll <coughs> ask him, what is a man to you? And he'll instantly say, provider. Right. And I say, okay, what yeah. does a provider mean? You're able to take care, protect, provide for. Okay, fair enough. I'm not here to disagree or agree. That is what they believe a man is. But what happens when that role is challenged or changes? Like right now, I have an episode up where I interviewed this couple. They've been dating for a year. And she goes, I want him to pick up the check when the check comes. I hear that all the time. Yeah. yeah. And right. so he goes, okay, the check comes. He goes, I'll take it. And then she says, no, I don't want you to actually pick it up. I think you should be investing your money because you're not investing enough. So we go through, I'm talking to him. I spend a lot of time digging into their psychology. What do you remember about money from your parents? And guess what we discover? She earns more than he does. Mm -hmm. Okay. Guess how much she earns per month? How much? Yeah. What does she do? She has her own business. She's 40, by the way, 40, 41. 
much does she earn a month? I mean, um, she earns forty thousand. I don't know a month. Okay, that's a good I, guess. I, I mean, I, I would assume. I, I'm assuming divide. she's like got money. Yeah, twenty thousand. Try two hundred thousand dollars wow. per month. Per month. Yeah. So she expects okay. him, in the way she was raised, to pick up the check. But there are very few people. Who, if we really extrapolate yeah. what pick up the check means to be a provider, there are very few people who would be able to earn more than that. And so now we have these two different roles. He wants to be the provider. How much does he make a month? Great question. He started <laughs> He started his own business. He's right. a welder. He's a welder. Okay. okay. He started his own business. He lives with his parents at home and he pays himself a modest amount, 2000 a month. Okay. So how wow. do you have a financial conversation when she's making 100 times what he makes? Well, I mean, it's so funny. I think the double standard in that kind of situation, because of ro- like what you would normally see throughout most of society is the other way around, right? Where the man would make so much more than the woman. And I think that that's an easier people for a, that's an easier scenario for a lot of people to digest. And how, it, how would they handle it in that scenario? Then the man would just pay for everything. And it would be no issue. Yeah. And it wouldn't no, be it, weird. And yeah. it wouldn't have to be aired out. Correct. You know, it's like, like it, right. it, just, it just, we, we swim with the current. We accept it. That's right. the way, but mm-hmm. you're totally right that things have been changing. In New York City alone, women in their 20s earn more than men. Mm. This is hard for people to fathom. They're gradu- right. Women are graduating from college more. So w- what I'm here to talk about is really- It's also not a very juicy headline. Exactly. You know, like be, people don't want to hear, you know, you want to hear, it, and I'm, this gets, this gets into like, Eight, you know, 73 cents on the dollar. You hear that more than I've ever heard that. No, no yeah. one ever hears this. No one in urban areas, uh, young women are earning more than men. So, okay. That's right. You women got to start paying. No. <laughs> <laughs> but in their case, this is a really fascinating example because, you know, I talked to couples. One couple has $825,000 in debt. And they come to me, they go, I don't think we can afford to even have children. Then at the other range, I talked to a couple where this 21 years married and she's about to divorce him because he's too cheap and his net worth, their net worth together is over $10 million. Right. So these are conversations that are not just about the spreadsheet. Most people, when they think about money, first they feel stressed and overwhelmed. Then they go, well, let's look at how much we're spending on asparagus. I go, asparagus is not your problem. And certainly lattes (laughs) do not matter, okay, at all. What it really is about is how do you think about money? It's emotional. What? Yeah, it's psychological. Yeah. What right. did your parents teach you? What do you remember about money? And if we can take that lens and start to add on different lenses, like I'm, a lot of people go, I'm not good with investing. Mm. Well, you don't know how to invest. You don't even know what asset allocation is. We could teach you that. It's not hard. But you can actually use your money to live a rich life. That's what gets people excited. Summer is just around the corner, so it's time to say goodbye to those jackets and sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. I wanted to update my wardrobe for the long haul without spending a fortune. Luckily, I found Quince. Now I have a lineup of timeless pieces I want that will keep me looking fresh year after year. I'm wearing a Quince sweater literally right now. They make the best cashmere sweaters and they're so well-priced. It's like, honestly, my dream store. I also have an amazing down comforter from them. They cut out the middleman and they really just give you these really, really high quality items that last a long time and that they're at an amazing price point. Quince has amazing items like premium European linen dresses, blouses and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. The best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. So you can feel good about what you're wearing on every level. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash UUP for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash UUP to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash UUP. If you're like me and shudder at the thought of low rise jeans and pluck thin eyebrows making a comeback, you're a millennial. And if you're a millennial, it's time to add Clarins multi-active cream to your daily routine. I have to tell you, I'm a huge Clarins fan. I've been using them for years. I love, love, love them. They are such high quality. They're like a legacy brand. My skin always looks better whenever I'm using Clarins products. And it's no different with the Clarins multi-active cream. You've been adulting for a while, so the daily stress of just trying to keep your life together can cause stress aging. Yes, that's a thing. The good news, Europe's number one skincare line has a solution you can trust. Rooted in nature and innovated with science, Clarins has a long legacy of creating industry-first, 
plant-forward products. Using a skin charger complex made of 2% niacinamide and C. holly bio-extract, Clarins Multi-Active Cream has been clinically proven to target the first visible signs of aging by smoothing lines and wrinkles, refining pores, evening tone and texture, and strengthening the skin's moisture barrier. While Multi-Active Cream can't bring back the golden age of boy bands, it can de-stress your skin. Go to Clarins.com UUP and get Multi-Active Day and Night Cream for 10% off, a free welcome gift, plus free shipping on your first order. That's C-L-A-R-I-N-S.com slash UUP with promo code UUP, Clarins.com slash UUP with promo code UUP. So you're saying most of these people, the couple's financial issues, are not necessarily about the amount of money that they have. No. It's just much more about the lens that they're seeing. It yeah, own. they come to me and they, they think, it, it's like somebody going to a mechanic and going, um, my, well, first of all, I don't know anything about cars, but mm. my carburetor's making a weird sound. It's probably not your carburetor. Right. They come to me, they go, um, she spends too much at Target. This is a very common thing. Yeah. Right? First of all, I go, why are we talking about Target? It's so weird. So it's rarely about Target. It's about how one partner sees money and thinks about money. And it's about how they communicate about it. And I can tell you the number one mistake that I see with couples is they have no vision for a rich life. Mm. They are buried in the weeds. They're arguing about $5 here, $50 at Target. The yeah. yeah. And I want to help them elevate so they can be like, what is our money for? So what would be, I guess, I, is there an exercise that like a new couple could do? Let's yep. say like there's a couple moving in together. What is like the thing they should be doing to have this conversation in an easier way because it is emotional. It's it, you it know it always comes up around something specific. Like yeah. we did, I did a question on a different podcast the other day where a woman is moving in with her her boyfriend mm. to his house. He owns the house and she's moving in into the house and she so she's like we're we are going to be busy for the last two weeks of 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 the month. So can I move in two weeks earlier? And he's like yeah. And then he charges her the extra two months. What two weeks of rent? Oh my God. So did he charge her a cleaning fee too? Like an Airbnb? <laughs> this is crazy. Because she's Th moving in two weeks earlier. But, and then, uh, I mean, I run this podcast with my sister and she was like, that's very unromantic. That's very like, you're not thinking of yourself as the unit. But in my mind, it's like, if you're, she's going to be paying rent to him anyway, yeah. then like, what is the difference? Like, like why pay any rent? Yeah, that's that's, that's the least romantic. The most romantic thing is to not pay any rent and right. just move in entirely, right? If, so, you like, know what? I like if, I like I like your perspective <laughs> because you know what? Money is there is an element of romance to it. Okay, it's not romantic to talk about how are we going to break up our earnings and what happens if you get a raise. It's not romantic, but relationships are also deeply practical. And we have to remember that for most of history, relationship marriage was not just about love. It was literally a, a business exchange, arrangement yeah. exchange. Mm. My wife and I, we had a conversation about a prenup. And that is, and that's very unusual, especially like Indian people, we don't do prenups. Mm. So I called my dad. I'm like, dad, what do you think about this? And my I thought my dad was going to be like, we don't do prenups. He was like, well, I can see why. We just haven't done it in our family because nobody really grew up with money. So as we start to have this conversation, we realize, wow, we are combining every part of a relationship. There's the romance and the future together, but there's also the business part. And we have to remember that a relationship is also an arrangement. It's practical. Mm, right. And I like that you're just like, hey, we have to acknowledge that. Yeah. And I mean, it's kind of like there's, I think that the... A big, a big part about money, and I'll speak for myself or just psychologically, is like, okay, there's the idea that you want to protect yourself financially and be independent and be able to make your own money and have your own thing going on. But there's the other part of you, which seems to be in kind of like a contrast to that or opposing force to that, which is like, you want to be a unit. You don't want to be like selfishly hoarding your own funds. You mm. want to be like thinking of you guys as a team, as a, you know, one day a family. Um, so I think those two things always seem to be at odds with each other in my brain of like be a smart, savvy, individualistic, um, you know, financially independent earner and be a loving partner that thinks of yourself as a family and a unit. My mom has one of those signs she bought from TJ Maxx. It has all these quotes, you know, like every suburban mom has it. Yes. And one of them says, trust in God, but lock your car. Okay. And I really like that for money. You right. should, of course, protect yourself. Mm -hmm. But we're also here to talk about creating a vision together. Right. You can do both at the same time. Mm. Okay. And it, it may not feel romantic at every part, but guess what? Being married isn't always romantic. Sometimes it's like, who's picking up the milk? Mm. Right. And that's okay. 
So, so you think that means that means having like a dual savings, like you know, lifestyle where you're, we're together. We have this this fun sack of dough, and then we have our own thing. Yeah. Like, but like, you know, I would I would assume like there's some people with investment accounts. You know, and especially as people get married later in life yeah. Yeah. and as the day, you know, the age at first marriage goes up and up and up, you got, oh, I've been putting away in ABC, you know, fund for however many years. Do you, I mean, what do you say to that person? That's like, well, that's there. Yeah. And now we start right. new from ours? zero. Is, is it, it ours? ours? Is it yours? Okay. This is a great question. Yeah. So this is exactly what happened with my wife and me. Yeah. So I have, I'd been running my business 20 years. And she had a, a very solid job here in the city, but our trajectories were just different, mm. right? And I had accumulated more. So we sit down and we start talking about money. And I talked to a lot of friends, many of, some of whom had gone through prenups. And the advice is horrible. So one of the things you learn about money, especially at a more advanced level, is the advanced stuff mm -hmm. is not talked about in the public. It's not on blogs, it's nowhere. It's only in lawyers' offices. Okay. And that was incredibly frustrating for me because that's what I do for a living. I help people understand money. And so I wanted to talk about it. I want to hear other couples. So the arrangement, I can walk you through exactly how we did the prenup and everything, but what we did, which I think is a good solution if you have a disparity in how much someone's coming into a marriage with, is you say, okay, this money can be ours. Of course, it should be ours. We're a unit. But in the worst case that this relationship ends, mm. whatever is premarital is going to be separate. That's going to be mine or yours. So for example, if somebody comes into a marriage, they own a house. Mm -hmm. Okay, you might both live in the house together. Awesome. And you hopefully live there for the rest of your lives. But if in the rare and unfortunate case you get separated, that house should probably remain with the person who brought it into the marriage. Wouldn't the argument be, if someone moved into that house, I would have bought on my own had I not had this living space with you, so I missed out on, you know, those- Also, are they, those... are they, paying, are, are they paying the utilities yeah. of the house because right. they're not Great you question. Know, living there? Let, let's take, so uh, for that, you can make an arrangement where you say, after a certain number of years, mm -hmm. this will become joint property. Right? You could certainly mm -hmm. do that. Or the couple might say, hey, instead of putting all that money we would have put towards rent, because you already own the house, let's put the money in a portfolio together and grow that. And that's going to be both of ours. I, Lots so, of ways to I, do it. So a, a little bit of moving around the deck chairs yeah. to be like, okay, we're not doing this, but we'll do the investment account over here. Totally. What works for you, and of course, you know, the lawyers need to approve it, the point is you want to come up with something that feels good for both parties. But in order for both parties to feel good about money, you need to get educated. A lot of times mm. when I speak to couples, one person just crosses their arms and they don't want to engage with money at all. And they feel intensely about money, mm. probably because of how they were raised. And I go, okay. I also feel probably because of fear of what they don't know. Bingo. I yeah. go, when was the last time you read one book about money? They go, oh, I, don't, I don't have time for that. I go, you're talking to me on my podcast and never <laughs> read my own book. <laughs> so, okay, we're, we're going to learn the basic language of money. No problem. Yeah. So uh, and with couples, let me give you a little exercise you can do. Um, it's actually really fun. We did this together. So both you get a piece of paper and you take this concept of a bucket list. Most people think bucket list is what I want to do before I die. No, sit down, get a glass of wine, go, what are the things that you want to do in the next 10 years that would make you feel you lived a meaningful, rich life. And that is and you say realistic. We, right. 10 years. 10 years. And when you say rich, time. you mean like financially rich? No, no. A rich life is defined. You define what a rich life means. Okay. So some people, for some people, it's buying a cashmere coat. That's a rich life. For some people, it's being able to pick up your kids every afternoon. Okay. Right. You define what your rich life is. So people will write down stuff. This is what my wife and I did. So, you know, it's, I want to learn Spanish. I want to go skydiving, et cetera. You take five minutes and really dream. And then you get to have this conversation. Mm -hmm. I guarantee you have not had a conversation where the two of you are laughing and joking about money. So for us, it was like, oh my God, you want to go skydiving? That's crazy. You know what? Why don't you do that on your own? I'm not going to get on that plane. And it's just like, oh, why do you want to go there? Oh, wow, we could do that too. And we start to have this fun, dreamy conversation. So that's the dreamy part. Mm. And now I want to pick a couple things to make it a reality. So you take one or two things 
In our case, we knew that we were inspired by a friend of ours who had a 10-year wedding anniversary in a beautiful place. They brought all their friends. We go, we want to do that. So we picked that. That was just something that's meaningful to both of us. We said, how much do we think it will cost? And we both went to our pages and we wrote down just back of the napkin. My number was way bigger than hers. Because I was like, I want this to be do it awesome. Well. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, 10 years is also a long time. We're going to have time to invest and grow it. So we looked at our numbers. And, and at that time, she was a little intimidated by the number that I picked. My rule for this exercise is whoever's got a higher number, go with the higher number. Because I want you to dream big. Mm. So we said, we know exactly when 10 years is going to be. Therefore, we can create a plan. We can reverse engineer. We need to be saving this much every month. Now we have the money going automatically and we know that exactly 10 years from our wedding, we are going to be in this beautiful country, in this beautiful hotel. We know exactly mm. where we're going. And it gives us something to work towards. Yeah, you better not invite your friends now. You got to wait and see who your who friends your are friends with, right. in 10 years. Right. You can't make any promises. I know. I hope they're not listening to this right, right now. You guys are all <laughs> invited, I'm sure. Yeah. Do you have kids? No. 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 Do you guys plan on having kids? Yeah, that's a hot conversation in our in our relationship right now. So that's definitely a part of something, you know, we're talking about as part of our rich life. Well, I I asked about the kids because like I'd had, you know, there's someone out there being like 10 year anniversary. I'm not bringing my friends and family on a trip. I got to pay for college. Like, doesn't that like weigh mm -hmm. on people? Doesn't that? Yeah. Uh, although if or my, I guess that could be part yeah. of the dream list is someone's dream list Bucket list could include sending their kids to college. I you know can what? understand that. I, I love that you brought that up during the bucket list exercise because that's that's so real. That's what people would do, and that's where they get tripped up. The minute they start to try to dream, they bring themselves back into the weeds. Well, how right. are we going to do that thing if we have to pay for our kids' college? It's like, first of all, why are we even talking about that? Yeah, We're talking about what we want. This is the bucket list. Yeah, <laughs> and, and, right. but notice, I love that you said yeah. that because that's what people do. They don't even have the skill to dream anymore. Mm. And then second, I talk to people, they always DM me. They come on Instagram, they go, Ramit, um, I have a three-year-old son. Uh, what should I say for 529? What kind of account should I open up? And I go, okay. First of all, tell me about your finances. How old are you? How much do you have? Mm. And they always say the same thing. Oh, the, the tenor changes immediately. Well, I'm 43. I don't have that much saved. I only have 22,000 in an old 401k. But I, you know, I, I want to do it right for my son. That is code for I've lost the game of money for myself, but mm. I don't want my kids to lose. And that is totally the wrong way to look at money. Your children have time. You do not. Mm. And so if you're 40 or however old you are, the most important thing is for you to become conversant and skilled with your money to make sure you have a large enough portfolio to live. And then you can start thinking about your kids. And I say this as mm. an Indian guy who's raised to always give everything you have to your mm -hmm. kids. But I have seen what happens when you end up later in life without enough money. It is tragic. So you're, it's almost like the face mask thing on the plane. Exactly. Where it's like, put your mask on and then the other person will be better off for it. Nothing gives me naked confidence like really nailing a tough workout. There's a real sense of power that comes from pushing your body to its limits and conquering it like a champ. But a very close second, Lumi Whole Body Deodorant. It's the game-changing whole body deodorant for those who love feeling confident from head to toe. And you up listeners can now receive a special offer. New customers get 15% off all Lumi products with our exclusive code and link. Use code UUP at LumiDeodorant.com, L-U-M-E-D-E-O-D-O-R-A-N-T.com. Making sure that I smell good is like one of my top things to feel confident. If I'm scared that I might be like having an odor, that is going to totally throw off my confidence. So I love Lumi so I can feel confident that I'm smelling fresh every day. Lumi is seriously safe to use anywhere on your body. Yes, anywhere. It's baking soda-free, paraben-free, and pH-balanced for safe use below the belt. Lumi is formulated and powered by mandelic acid to stop odor before it starts. More like a pre-odorant. It's clinically proven to block odor all day and control odor for up to 72 hours. Choose from a variety of bright scents like clean tangerine, lavender sage, or toasted coconut. Lumi's starter pack is perfect for new customers. It comes with a solid stick deodorant, cream tube deodorant, two free products of your choice, like mini body wash and deodorant wipes, and free shipping. As a special offer for our listeners, new customers get 15% off all Lumi products with our exclusive code. And if you combine the 15% off with the already discounted starter pack, that equals over 40% off their starter pack. Use code UUP for 15% off your first purchase at lumideodorant.com. That's code UUP at L-U-M-E-D-E-O-D-O-R-A-N-T.com.
You guys know I'm a huge fan of Skims, and with warmer weather coming up, I recently tried out one of their t-shirts. Skims makes the best basics and foundations, so it's no surprise that it's the best-fitting tee I've ever worn. Finding the perfect t-shirt can be such a challenge, whether it's the fit or the quality, but with Skims, they make the most flattering shirts for everyone. Honestly, I love pretty much everything Skims makes, but I really love their t-shirts. They're like form-fitting, and they make my body just look that much smoother. I have the soft, smoothing, seamless t-shirt in Onyx. It has amazing versatility. It is literally a must-have for a spring wardrobe. They're stretchy, they're flattering. You can dress it up or dress it down and you don't have to worry about compromising style or comfort. I also have the cotton jersey t-shirt in marble and it's really just changed the game for me. It's taking the regular t-shirt, it's leveling it up. There's no stretched collars or hems and it literally fits like a dream. Skims t-shirts are made with innovative technology while always keeping style and comfort in mind. From crop silhouettes to long sleeve layering tees, Skims has something for every fit and everybody. Shop the Skims t-shirt shop at skims.com, now available in sizes extra, extra small to 4X. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know I sent you. After you place your order, select podcast in the survey and select you up in the drop-down menu that follows. This is very interesting. I think I can I can understand why someone, like with the college thing and the 10-year wedding anniversary, it's like the idea of like a trade-off. Because I, to a lot of people, I feel like when the idea of spending money is like I'm giving up something else by spending money here. And I mean, I have this conversation with my husband all the time about like points, mm-hmm. credit card points. What does he and, say? Because I'm like, we got this trip for free. And he's like, it's not free. It's points that we could have used on something else. Yeah. Um, so I think that's it's sort of like a just highlights a difference in the way we 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 think about those things or like the idea of like him thinking of everything as like a trade off. As opposed yeah. to, like you said, how do you get, what do you think is the best way to get your partner to think in that bigger way? I think starting with an exercise like this where you can dream and remember that in in any money conversation you have, you do not have to go from A to Z. So all you have to do, this is a goal for every money conversation you have with your partner is to end with both of you looking each other in the eye and saying, I love you. Okay. That is the purpose of that conversation. Don't go to sleep angry. Bingo. This is. <laughs> I mean, how many of us have a conversation about money and we walk away just like fuming? And each time you do that, the groove gets a little deeper of, I don't want to talk about money with him or her. And I want you instead to end early, end on a high note and know that you can always come back. So, you know, I teach people how to do a monthly rich life review. It's one hour. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's how much time you should spend on your money with your partner. One hour a month. How early? Um, like, let's say someone third date, third date. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> write down your financial goals. Yeah, what's your, uh, what's the, what's your allocation it, right now? Please bring right. your W2. And well, then you look at their pie chart. You're like, this is disgusting. <laughs> Who taught you this? I, I mean, this is, I, the, cause we deal with relationships across the spectrum. Yeah. You know, yeah. we have people that listen that are, you know, single. We have people that are listening that are listening with their significant other right now. They're <sighs> sitting it. in the car and they, uh, people listen to this show to like, uh, you know, I think as couples to yeah. open up that conversation yeah. that they are scared to have on um, just bring up on their own because it seems very random, right? Yeah. And and this is the probably the best episode they could ever turn on because they could go, okay, now we're yeah. in financial mode, which is very difficult as we're talking about with emotions and psychology. Totally. Right? What you know? What month of dating do you say to someone, and what would you say? Because I, I'm sitting here, single guy, going. I, these are things I'm at 37 single. I'm thinking about at 25 single. Never thought about. Totally, it's different. It's different, right? right. So, uh, first of all, we should remember we can have a gentle way to talk about money without being mm-hmm. like, "Show me your W two." It's like, uh, you know, basic real. These are like a few dates in, or certainly a few months in. I'm flexible on how early, mm. but you can mm-hmm. say, you know, how'd you grow up with money? I grew up pretty middle class. Like mm-hmm. my mom was a teacher. What about for you? And and then as they, you're really listening, curious. Oh, wh- what'd you take away from that? But everyone's middle class. Like I know everyone says. Everyone says that. We have this it. discussion a lot too, where it's like you'll be like, because I talk talk about gift giving, especially around like Christmas with my husband, and you'll be, and I think you're 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 uh, the way that you react. Or, to wanting something you said growing up that was always very interesting to me where you're like you, in my house you didn't really have to wait for, if you wanted if you needed something or you wanted something you just got it you didn't mm-hmm. have to wait for like a birthday or a christmas which to me means you grew up rich um, <laughs> <laughs> middle class upper middle class yeah, everyone says that yeah, middle class everyone says it, it it's drives a, me it's insane upper middle class right. I'm not, I'm lower I'm middle class. we did fine right. we were upper yeah. mi- middle class i go oh okay um how much 
do you have a sense of how much? Oh, I mean, we did we did okay. You know, probably like four million in the portfolio. I go, that's not upper middle class. <laughs> Rich, right? Yeah, that's okay. wealthy. That's wealthy. <laughs> See, this is but people don't get into the. Well, okay, we don't the need to get into that, that on like yeah. the fourth date, but, but but you do, you know, and and the gift thing is totally true. Yeah. Like that is yeah. so the psychology of like my house with like growing up is like if you want, some, what do you need? What totally. what's the thing? Ours it's was, not wait till Hanukkah, you exactly. know, exactly. And in and in a intimate relationship, that actually tells you a lot. Mm. Like for us, it was we ate at home every day. We would eat a pizza maybe once every six weeks. We'd go with a coupon. We would never ever ever get appetizers mm -hmm. never and now as a grown-up well, i'm this like this is my nightmare yeah <laughs> but i'm but i'm also like my damn future kids are they gonna be spoiled because eating you know they can right. order whatever appetizer they want this is a hot topic of conversation for us but it it really right. reveals a lot when you ask your partner genuinely curious thing how'd you grow up um hey you know i'm thinking of switching my credit card like what credit cards do you use how come and you might discover they have no idea why they use mm -hmm. it. I just, my friend did it. Or they might be like, oh my God, let me break down how the point system works. And right. this thing for the lounges. <laughs> and it's like, wow, this is, do I really, do I really care about their Amex Platinum? Maybe, maybe not. But what I, I love is seeing my partner get excited. Mm. And I love learning a little bit about them. So you can start with those soft questions. And of course, there is a day later when the two of you are getting more serious where you might want to have a, a deeper set of conversations. How much are we bringing into this relationship? What kind of expectations do you have? That's that's a deeper one. I mean, I look back on some relationships that I've had, and I'm like, I'm like hearing this. I'm like, man, I look over all this stuff. Like I, I and it feels like a mistake. Uh, you know, so yeah. you just didn't talk about it. Just don't. Whatever. Well, did you know that these were potentially serious relationships? Yeah, and okay. it felt uh, now looking back, I'm like, man, that was very unorganized. You know, like yeah. right. It, it feels uncomfortable. Because especially and the longer if you're not you put on it off. Yeah. Especially if, again, I think they're uncomfortable conversations to have. And if you're not on the same page, I guess my other question is like, do you feel like that there's there's people who are financially incompatible or that's just a yeah. hurdle you have to get over? No, there are. <laughs> right? There are. I mean, I, I, like I do my podcast, try yeah. very hard not to be judgmental. But you can tell sometimes people have radically different views. I'll give you an example. There are couples where one person grew up without a lot of money and they are very scarcity oriented. The first thing they talk about is what can go wrong. And I say, what's the purpose of money? They go, well, you're supposed to save it. I go, okay, what are you saving for? And they'll go, uh, you're just supposed to save it. I go, when do you have enough? Never. What do you mean have enough? Like one day when I have like $3 million, I go, okay, when will you have 3 million? Uh, I don't know. And sometimes I even show them their number. They have no idea how much they have. I go, you actually have like $3.8 million right now. Do you feel differently? And they go, no, we still need to save more. Right. That compared to their partner, who's much more abundant and says like, we have it, we won, let's, let's spend, let's right. have a, a rich life together. If they can't bridge that gap, there's often a dark future five, 10, 15 years down the road. Right. I, I, and I guess the person that needs to save more at 3.8 million, they don't ever believe they're going to be okay. No, that's right. correct. This is the thing. A lot of people listening right now, <laughs> they genuinely believe they will feel better about money if they have 50,000 more or a hundred or f 2 million more. I can tell you right now, the way you feel about money is highly uncorrelated with how much you've got in the bank. Mm. You can have, and if you use my stuff, you will have millions of dollars over the course of your lifetime. That will not change how you feel about money. You have to work on how you feel about money and you have to master your money psychology. Just having more on a spreadsheet means nothing. It mm. does not connect emotionally with people. Right. And what do you feel like is like the number one tip for getting over that, that scarcity, like fear of never having enough money? Because I feel like it's almost like anything else that you might, you know, like... People who pride themselves on being beautiful are never beautiful enough. Yeah. People who pride themselves on being rich are never rich. I mean, you see like Jeff Bezos where he like is going to the moon or, yeah. you know what I mean? Like there's never, there's always like some, you could always get richer. Does he yeah. feel like he has enough money? I don't know. I assume to get to that level of wealth, you must never think you have enough money. Well, <laughs> I, I think of it like skiing or snowboarding. Either of you ski or snowboard? Yeah. Okay. So it's like the first time you go up there, you might be scared. You're scared of falling down. You're scared of going up the lift. You're scared of coming down. Everything's scary. Am I going to take that? If I told you stop being afraid, would it work? No. No. 
what we do is we do this progressive set of exercises where you go down the bunny hill and, and on and on and on. With money, I'm never going to tell someone, stop feeling scarcity around money. Because that feeling deep inside might always be there. But what I will do is I will help them articulate what their fear is. What's the worst that can happen? I might end up on the side of the road left by my partner with just a backpack and it's raining and mm -hmm. I have kids. Okay, let's get it out on the table. Mm -hmm. Okay, great. Where did that come from? Did something happen to somebody in your family? Now, what's the best that could happen? Most people have never thought about what can go right. They only think right. about what can go wrong. And then finally, after they have a vision for where they wanna go, I wanna travel three times a year. Beautiful, don't just say travel. Where do you wanna go? What seat mm. on the airplane do you wanna sit on? What do you wanna order at the restaurant? Once they have this crystal clear, exciting vision, then I show them the skills of how to get there. Yeah, you need to understand what your savings rate is. You don't know what a savings rate is? Okay, cool, let me teach you what it is. So we need to start off with what's inside, then we need to articulate a beautiful vision, something that gets me motivated and excited. And finally, I need to learn the skills, the basic language of money. Okay. And making it real. Yeah, like it's got a, Sorry, you're yeah. like a financial therapist. Uh, it's not therapy, but I do talk a lot about psychology. And I think, yeah. you know, take somebody like, take somebody on the street when I was walking here. If you ask them how they feel about money, I'll tell you right now, like 90% of them have something negative to say. Mm. Stressed, overwhelmed, guilty, is it enough? So one of the exercises that I would encourage you if you're listening as a partner to do is a rich life challenge. Take $100 or whatever number is affordable to you. And tomorrow, I want you to go out and spend it on something you love. Not just like, but love. And so when I ask people, what do you love spending on? I call it a money dial. The most common answer is eating out. The I second- was just thinking food when he <laughs> food. said, I, I literally thought to myself, food. Food is the most right. common. Yeah, yeah. I thought of exper experiences. So that's that's one of them. Like? Yeah, sure. Like um, travel. Travel is number two. Oh, you guys are killer. So travel yeah. is number two. So basic. Number right. three. No, it's, it's, I love it. Number three is um, health and wellness. Okay. So And then four is convenience. And from there, there's a sharp cliff. So I call it a money dial because I always ask people, what do you love? And their eyes light up. No one has ever asked them what they love. Then I go, if you could quadruple the amount you spent on that, what would it look like and feel like? So if food is yours, if you quadrupled it, what would it look like? I, 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 to me, it would look the same. How can it look the same? I, I don't know if I would have a $400 meal versus a $100 meal. Okay. Do you know what I mean? Like I... What I, it, you know, if to me, you could have a chef, I, I, I guess maybe, maybe. yeah, keep going, keep a chef, like yeah, keep that, you have someone make you your, your, I don't know, you my have, dinners you, you every you night, get those, uh, Amanda Dobler. Yeah. Damn it. I get her. She sends me <laughs> food. Yeah. Like as long as I want, I, uh -huh. I, I don't even know. Like I but keep going, keep going. You're right, right there. So you might eat out more. Maybe might, I, I, I guess I would, or I guess I would eat out nicer, but I don't okay. even know if I would. Okay. Like I what think. Else? As far as food is concerned? No, if you quadrupled your spend, what else, what would it look like? Spend a second with me on this. Private jet. Uh, wait a minute. It, you but spend I, enough that if you quadrupled your food, you'd have a private no, jet? No, no, no. I, I, How much are you spending eating I meant out? like in the, 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 if I could quadruple what, you know, if, if you go from, I'm spending whatever on it, like I would go to travel. Like if I travel, uh, you know, every weekend, if I yes. could go and say, all right, I instead of flying first class Delta, I could yeah. fly on a private jet. On a private okay. jet, a net net jet to go somewhere. Love it. So for eating out, let, let's talk about eating out for a yeah. second because I like to help people really turn that dial. It helps them unlock this idea of number one, what is my money dial? Eating out, etc. Number two, if I make more money or if I spend more on this thing I love, what do I actually get? Most people have never thought about this. So uh, most the most common answer to that question is, well, I'd probably have to go on a diet because I eat out four times a week. I go, okay, ha, 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 what else? Mm. And so you really Thank nailed God it. Thank God I didn't make that <laughs> joke. Thank fucking God. You okay. nailed it with, maybe you'd get a chef a couple times, great. See, at the basic level of money, everyone wants to know what. What can I spend on? But at the highest level of personal finance, it's always a who. Who can I take with me? Mm. Who can I be generous with? So my, I, my phone, that's really <laughs> my best friend in the world. <laughs> I, I see you dressed up in a suit and you're just alone, just like on your phone. Right. Like, I love my this. phone's in a tux. <laughs> <laughs> a little baby tux. Stay yeah. too. <laughs> I think that- Will be. <laughs> I think you could bring 
somebody with you, whether it be a partner, whether uh-huh. it be a friend, just treating somebody, your college buddies in town, you go, you know what? This one's on me. Come with me. Mm. And what I want, as I ask people this question, it oh my really God, I have nobody. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't that's even a, think of someone to bring. That's a that's different, a different episode. episode. There's a lot of tears. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, here's a tissue. Oh, I just said I'd dress up my phone. <laughs> Oh God, where have I gone wrong? Oh. Well, I mean, you're no, you're like the, uh, you know, that daddy Warbucks character. Right. It's like, I've got all the money, but no one to share it with. Right. Totally. That's, a, that's me. <laughs> totally. Need a little that's Annie. It's really sad. I did not expect to be crying myself uh, in this interview. Today. Oh this man. Okay. So what I want me and my is, monocle and top hat walking parents, around no, your, the your, city, your parents, your brother, you, you're taking Fuck them. All- they got their own money. <laughs> Hold on, I'm going to text you after this. I'll be like, uh, did you quadruple your spend? I got a couple of restaurants in mind. So what I want people to do is, you know, I talk about spending extravagantly on the things you love mm-hmm. as long as you cut costs mercilessly on the things you don't. Well, most people don't even know what they like to spend money on and they have no concept of how to spend extravagantly on it. So, right. you know, this is an exercise so, you can do with your partner. What do you love to spend money on? Boy, if we could spend more, what would it look like? And, you know, you, as you can tell, I actually love that we struggled a little bit with that because that's real. Well, I get I get it now. So you're saying like quadruple, you can go to the same restaurant. You're just going to be with, with other people. Other people. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you could do that. But like, I, I had a young woman in Pasadena. I asked her this question at one of my book tour events and she shopped at uh, some fast fashion brand. And I said, if you could quadruple your spend, what would you do? And her answer was funny. She goes, I'd have boxes of clothes everywhere. And I go, okay, <laughs> well, you'd still be shopping at the same place. And she looked at me blankly. Like it had never occurred to her that she could shop somewhere else. Right. So I said, where else would you go? And we did this exercise and it is so fun because eventually she realized if I really turn that dial up, if this is the thing in my life that I want to spend more money on, I could shop at a different store. I could uh, go shopping with a friend and maybe even treat them or at the very highest level, fly to Italy with my mom and we could go to a personal tailor that would make something for the two of us. Now, does this young woman in Pasadena need to fly to Italy? No. But suddenly she has a vision for what she could do with her money. And she can choose how far she wants to turn that dial up. Mm. I find that way more interesting than comparing the price of beans at the grocery store like most people yeah. do. Do you do you find that there's there could be, be any negative consequences of thinking that big to the point where you would be dissatisfied with no. your own life and no. your own circumstances? Most people think so small that me doing an exercise with them on thinking big is not going to tip them over into tripping and falling and buying a private jet. <laughs> right. <laughs> they right. need to think bigger, yeah. not smaller. Right. Yeah. Well, it also makes it less stressful for the things that you really, you find out you really do enjoy these things. You're not even wanting for more. Exactly. So I, I have this thing, you know, I, I don't keep a budget. I don't think you should keep a budget. I think it's a waste of time. And honestly, you, you end up tracking all these minuscule things that are irrelevant. I have a thing called a conscious spending plan. It's forward-looking. There's four categories, that's it. One is fixed costs, one is saving, one is investing, and the fourth is, my favorite, guilt-free spending. Everybody should have guilt-free spending, and I recommend 20 to 35% of your take-home pay. That mean, yeah, it's a lot. Yeah. That means when you go out to a restaurant, you can get that extra dessert, and you can rest assured, if you've used all my automation and stuff, yeah, let's get the cheesecake. Why? Because I already know my money is automatically being saved mm. every month. I know I'm automatically investing. I know exactly when I'm going to have a million dollars and when I'm going to be able to take that trip. You know this stuff. It's visible versus, oh my God, like let's spend the next 10 minutes debating over the getting a Diet Coke. I don't want to live that life. That's asking right. $3 questions. We need to be asking $30,000 questions. Yeah. I read somewhere that it's like a lot of people th- spend a lot of all their time thinking about how to save yeah. tiny amounts when if they put that en- that mental energy towards earning more money, you would earn so much more money than the amount that you would that, that you saved on whatever, like you're talking about, the Diet Coke or it's so true. the difference in shoe right. or something. And it, I guess it goes, it, this is a, a, a huge, this is a huge uh, take based on people being, you know, penny wise, dollar foolish. They are. I mean, the entire culture around us makes us that way. So we grow up, we hear these phrases like money doesn't grow on trees. And you hear that 10,000 times and you start to literally believe that all you've got is what you've got and I better hoard it and protect it. 
It's rare that people grow up and they go, oh yeah, my parents taught me that if I work harder, I can earn more. Or that if I invest early, I can compound my growth. Like, no, parents are not mm -hmm. talking about that. They're just using these trite phrases that actually cause most people to retreat. Then you turn on the news and it's some old guy wearing an ill-fitting suit mm -hmm. telling you, don't spend money on lattes. I go, <laughs> right. what? Why are we talking about this? Right. How come no one's talking about spending extravagantly on the things you love? as right. long as you cut costs mercilessly on things you don't. So I think that most of us have learned about saving. Everybody talks about saving, but nobody teaches us the skill of spending. Mm. And we need to have both in order to live a rich life. Well, listen, everyone needs to go get the, the book. I will teach you to be rich. I'm going to take this copy. So you take the copy. Get I'll get my okay. own. Um, and, and this is so nice. I, I This is an amazing conversation. I think it's very helpful for people to hear. And also it's like much more positive. I think that... We, I mean, we're going to read an email right now yeah. that, that gets, again, stuck in the weeds yeah. of negativity of, oh, well, you know, it, it, it seems like a problem to deal with instead of like, uh, you know, a fun talk. Isn't that how most of us people. think about money? It's, right. We only talk yeah. about it when there's a fight or we need to react to something. There's when was the last time you had a proactive, positive conversation about money? And the first thing you said to your partner was, you know what? I really appreciate how you always book the best flights for us, or you always have paper towels for us we never run out, and I really appreciate that about you. We should. It's great. We should do that more. We gotta do it more. Everyone go get the book. Uh, Ramit Sati. It started off so well. It started off so well. It was good. I'm a fucking idiot. The most important thing, I will teach you to be rich. You can go go get the book anywhere you get books. I mean, I love that you can work through it. Yeah. I like that you can touch it, write on it, you know, go through, put your own dreams inside of it. I think it's great. You know that feeling when you're going on your first date with the person you've been seriously crushing on and realize you have absolutely nothing to wear? Maybe you find yourself wishing you had the perfect pair of jeans, the one you can fancy up, fancy down, and just look better every time you wear them. Well, that's why you need to check out Lee Denim. I love Lee Denim. I'm wearing them today in the office. I'm wearing their jeans. I love, they also have this other pair that I have at home that I'm really excited to wear. It's like a little baggier, but it's still so comfortable and yet it's still so flattering. I don't know how they do it. Every time you wash it, they also look even better. And I love that they flatter every body type. Denim trends come and go, but Lee is legendary for creating denim cuts that fit your body. Their denim gets better with age and their classics fit into every look. Lee's denim jacket is the one to reach for without fail. A classic. The Ryder jean jacket is the OG, what every other brand has copied for decades. Everyone is an icon in their own right, and Lee makes denim so people can own their style and feel good in their clothes. Their spring collection is here, so get the freshest looks and cuts before anyone else. You can find your Lee fits by visiting lee.com. That's lee.com to shop spring looks now. Let's do the email. All right, I'll read it. All right. Hi, J&J, longtime listener and fan. I'm in need of your help. My boyfriend and I have been together two years and are moving in together. We're, as we're navigating this, finances have come up a lot, of course. He kills it as a real estate agent and, and makes about 300000 more than I do. We've agreed on how we would divide the mortgage. I'm going to put towards the mortgage that I was previously paying in rent, and he is going to pay more than half of the mortgage due to his income and the property being in his name. We've gotten into arguments over a couple of things we say in regards to what each person is contributing to the house, and I can sense that there is already some resentment and we're barely moved in. For example, I agreed to take on a lot of the admin work for moving in, getting moving quotes, scheduling, air conditioning, maintenance, getting painter estimates, etc. In doing so, I'll sometimes make a comment in a light joking tone, such as I'm taking our care of all of these things. I'm really making big moves here or I'm on a roll today etc. as progress is being made. His response is usually along the lines of, well, I'm funding it or I'm covering the expenses in a snarky tone. Um, well, this might be, while this might be factually true, I told him how uneasy these comments make me. I'll be the first one to make light of all my non-monetary contributions, but somehow it feels icky when he jokes about money and what he's putting into the house. I've shared with him that these comments make me feel uneasy, and I've asked him if he has an issue with what we agreed I would pay and if it needs to be revi revisited. He says no. These comments make me feel like he thinks I owe him something or that I'm indebted to him. While we agreed to move in together, at the end of the day, this is his property and I don't want to hear for the rest of my life that he paid for it. I probably joke about my non-monetary contributions to overcompensate for my financial contributions, but I've already told him that passive-aggressive jokes regarding what I pay 
him trigger me. I work full time and will always make substantially less money than he does. Is this going to be held over my head always? He says, if I can joke about this stuff, so can he, and I shouldn't be so sensitive, but I don't think he realizes all that's at play here. The tale is as old as time. A woman gets treated to things by a man and ends up paying in other ways. I'm also a minority. He is not. So I think that I might have some underlying fears in terms of the power dynamic. Is it fair to have a double standard on what we can each joke or make light of? I don't think my comments affect him nearly as much as his do to me. How do I make it clear these comments are a boundary I don't want to be crossed? If he proceeds as a deal breaker for me, I want to feel like my partner isn't nickel and diming me about our home, something we agreed on together. Wow. Okay. Depthy. Very loaded. There's a lot. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot. I mean, we could spend hours unpacking that. All right. I'll give a couple Who's of right? thoughts. Who's <laughs> First of all, if if that if that couple came on my podcast, I would just be eating popcorn as I listened to them tell me that. I'm like, damn, this is crazy. There's so many there's a lot of layers here. Absolutely. So um I have found that in couples where one partner earns more than the other, the lower earner is obsessed with the C word, contribution. They mm. often become obsessed. Am I contributing? Am I contributing right. enough? Well, are you factoring in the fact that I pick up the groceries? Am I contributing? I was about to be like, I can't believe they're obsessed with the word cunt. It's <laughs> <laughs> such a weird, <laughs> such a weird thing to be obsessed. <laughs> Boy. <laughs> I didn't realize how the other half lived. <laughs> I grew up in this not wanting gifts lifestyle. We didn't even think of the word cunt. <laughs> so, That's one I've never heard. You got me on that. I'm sorry. I can't help myself. <laughs> Keep that in. So, so the solution here, I'm just going to be point blank about it. The higher earner mm. has to take responsibility for having a high EQ and opening up the conversation about contribution. The higher, higher earner. Uh, so the higher you're, you're saying that the, the higher earner is more okay with money, so they need to be- They need to be proactive, proactive about Proactive about, about, yeah. Because they have more power. That's correct. At least perceived Finan power. Mm. Perceived power financially. If the roles were reversed and she was earning way more and had a house, he would very likely be obsessed with contribution himself. Mm. I've talked to many couples on my podcast about that. So it is the responsibility of the higher earner to bring up these conversations and to talk about it openly and say, look, here's the deal. Because of the industry I work in, I make more. It doesn't mean that I think I'm a better person. It doesn't right. mean that I think I'm more valuable in this relationship. It just happens to be the case that I have more money. Now, I think that that's one part of a relationship, but there are other parts. And there are so many parts that I'm not as good at as you and I need your help. So I want to work I want to work together and I want to create a vision where we both feel good about it. You know, it's <laughs> funny you like you, it, it, what you're saying, that's the conversation they're not having. Exactly. They're yeah. talking about what what kind of split do we have and how right. come he says this that's the weeds. And at no point does he tell her the value that he has for her. Exactly. At right. no and and she's now they're having this passive aggressive cuz I I was like the the joke thing to me. I was like I, I as I read that I'm like well, that's he could. You are having a passive aggressive fight with him yeah. every time you bring it up. I agree. She, yeah. she says that there's a double standard, and there is. Both of them are being passive aggressive, mm. and that is a toxic thing in a relationship. Yeah. And I think, I mean, it's it's tough because like money is is one of the only things when you're talking about like whatever, what does everyone bring to the relationship? You have an idea. There's like an infinite amount of things you could bring to the relationship. The only one of them that has like an extremely quantifiable um, number attached to it is money. Yeah. It's very hard to put a to put a number on you know how generous and loving and soothing and caring and even the other stuff she's talking about a group the admin yeah. um, that doesn't have a price tag on it. But notice that yeah. she is driven to try to quantify it. Right. right. We have this culture where we believe only the quantifiable things are valuable, which is total bullshit. When you go hug your loved ones, do you quantify how long you hug them for? Mm -hmm. No, you just right. hug them. And so even she's even accepted the premise that she needs to quantify certain things. No, money well, is quantifiable. And yes, it's valuable and it's great. And I'm glad that they're doing well together, or at least they're making good money together. 
but there are other things that are unquantifiable and very valuable as well. Well, I, I would also think, and I can only speak to the emailer here, and this might sound bad, but she might be afraid of hearing he doesn't value yeah. those things. That's that's a possibility Maybe. too. I'm not saying he's, it would sound like he's a monster if he sits there and goes, well, all the things you do don't matter that much to me. I could hire an assistant. That but then they have another conversation to have. But they have isn't to go, it better to talk about that now? Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. But that's what they're avoiding. I think that they. Uh, from I think the, her fear is that that. What if I find out that he yeah. thinks everything I do to make this move happen could have been done by someone else? Totally. And 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 what I, if so? Yeah, the, right. so or I would, that I'm not bringing enough to. Therefore, that right. I'm not bringing enough to the relationship to make up for the fact that I'm not bringing the, this this amount of money that yeah. he's making. Right. Yeah. My. my um, my girlfriend at the time, now my wife, mm. <laughs> we were dating for a while. And then, you know, we started having these more serious conversations. And at one point she goes, I'd really like to be engaged by Q1 of next year. <laughs> and I was like, this is my dream girl. She oh, talks God. in financial quarters. Oh my I God. Love her. So we we're like, let's just put it all out on the table. Do we want to have kids? It, are both of us going to work? Uh, what kind of travel do we envision? Will we have elderly parents live with us. We talked about it. I told her, you know, all this stuff. I go, listen, I don't want some kid named Mike. Okay. I never envisioned having a kid named Mike. Look at me. I don't have kids named Mike. There's never going to be a Mike in this house. We talk about this stuff. Jordana, I want to no have the exact same conversation because Mike wants to name our kids after himself. So I want to, I'm going to can that. Oh my God. Amazing. Amazing. <laughs> Make that a sound clip that you can play. Yes. That'll be your phone ring. Mike wants naming rights. <laughs> you, got, you got to work up to these conversations. Perfect, I love that. Okay. Yeah, like this this couple, she doesn't probably know how to talk about money. Mm. So when they start talking, it's snarky mm -hmm. and it's evolved right. into this calcified relationship where they each snark each other. But what if they just zoom out and go, you know what? I wonder if we can talk about money in a different way. I listened to this podcast. They were talking about some stuff. And I'm just curious, like, how do you envision money in this relationship? And like, what would make this relationship that we're doing together, what would make it an amazing one for you? Mm. And he might, you know, he might be caught a little off guard. What are you talking about? This sounds a little rehearsed. That's okay. It's okay if it feels a little awkward. That's life. You go, yeah, I know this is weird, but like, what would you do? And he might say, well, you know, I really love to be able to travel a month, a year. I'd love, you know, I really want to come home and there's coffee waiting for me or tea or wh whatever it is that this person yeah. wants. Put it out on the table. And then she might say, that's, that's really amazing. Like why, why do you want tea waiting? Because my parents had it waiting when they came home. Okay, and what about you? So you have this back and forth and you start creating a North Star instead of debating over like what snarky comment yeah. once made. Mm. I like that a lot because I think people think that there's like these right and wrong ways to think about how you want people to contribute to your household. So it's like, you know, we talk about, you know, there are a lot of women who are like, we make the same amount, but I, I want him to pay for dinner. And, you know, that's, I don't think there's, that's a wrong way to think wrong feeling to have or wrong thing to want it's it is what you want it's more can the other person meet it whereas if the, a man let, is, let's say says i love to come home and feel like there's like someone's given me dinner or someone's has a warm drink for me or a, you know and something else and it feels like oh that feels like stereotypical and it feels like dated and it feels like a wrong desire but your desires are your desires yeah. and that's just mm. sort of who you are and i love the idea of just sort of like leaning into that if that's what you prefer some people don't care if you care that's a good thing to know mm. your partner doesn't have to say yes but at least you're you're in an intimate relationship you're going to be together for the rest of your life i hope you should be able to talk about this and be mm. like and your partner can say like where did that come from that's the key when you are vulnerable enough to share what you really want, your partner has two choices. One, they can reject it and be like, that's really stereotypical, or, oh my God, I can't believe you said that. Or they can take the curiosity approach. Wow, I wouldn't have expected that. Mm. How come? What, is, what does that mean to you? And that is where the two of you can almost deepen your relationship with one conversation. Mm. I like that. I do too. This is, I mean, this has been... I've learned a lot. I've learned a lot. Mike's going to have a conversation tonight. <laughs> right, that's not just about our kids' names. <laughs> right, you got a lot to talk spending about. Spending and yeah. And what, what uh, is there one thing that every? I mean, 
I feel like we answered this. Yeah, email. If there's I one thing. I guess let's 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 wrap with is if there's one thing that you feel like would have the biggest impact yeah. to change couples' views about like finances and just thinking about money. What would it be? It would be to have a really beautiful set of conversations, which starts with what is your rich life? Mm. If you could do what you wanted, and we could do what we wanted together, what would that look like? Is it kids? Is it travel? Are we eating out twice a week? Dream with me. Mm. And we can work out the practicalities second, but let's just talk about our rich life vision together. Beautiful. Love, Love it. Everyone go get Ramit Sethi's book. It is called, I Will Teach You To Be Rich, The Journal. Go, go, go. I mean, the original, the million copy bestseller. Yeah, that was amazing. The, yeah, thank you. That's, I've been very fortunate. A lot of people want to learn about money in a way that feels positive for them. Right. So yeah. it always makes me feel Congratulations. good. Congratulations. Congratulations. Amazing. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to read. Should I read the, the the original book first? Do them together. Together. Do, do at the same together. time. Yeah. Do, okay. do the journal and it lets you dream. And at the same time, you're figuring out the perfect credit card to get and how to make millions through right. investing long-term, low cost. It's a beautiful, they work together. Awesome. Love I'm going to listen to your, the podcast is the same name? It's called I Will Teach You To Be Rich. And you, and you interview couples with real issues like mm -hmm. the ones we talk about on this podcast. So if you listen to this episode and you loved it, definitely check that out. I will teach you to be rich. Thank you so much yeah. for coming on. This Thank was you. awesome. And as we end every conversation, I love you. I love you too. <laughs> <laughs> I was amazing. listening. That I was wanted, amazing. I got to use the tools yes, Ramit taught amazing. us about today. <laughs> And that's it for us. We're here every. Uh, this is a Sunday special. Um, we, you know, if you if you're here at this point, subscribe to YouTube. You could have watched this whole conversation on YouTube, and uh, you know, and that's our episode, right? Yep. We solve dating again. We'll see you Wednesday. Bye. The U Up podcast is produced by Sean Kilby, Maddie Paul, and Jorge Morales Pico. Editing by Jorge Morales Pico. Social media by Maddie Paul. Be sure to follow at u.up.podcast on Instagram and send us your emails to uup at betches.com. Thank you to our sponsor, Netflix. Bridgerton is back, bringing us another scandalous and sexy season. And dearest gentle readers, you will not want to miss this chapter. In season three, longtime friends Colin Bridgerton and Penelope Featherington find themselves in quite the precarious situation. The wallflower is ready to bloom, but she needs Colin's help to find a marriage match. Will these friends defy odds and expectations to find true love? And will Penelope's secret identity as famed gossip writer Lady Whistledown destroy any chance she may have at love? You shall have to watch and see. Watch part one of Bridgerton now, only on Netflix. Betches.